When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome everyone to Rock Gem Radio. Uh, this is the beginning of a brand new episode of Dive Cut. Uh, we're live. We are live on YouTube. Uh, and uh, this is actually the beginning of season seven, Matt. We have completed six circles uh, around the sun uh, as dive cuts, and we are beginning a brand new season seven. And what better way to begin brand new season seven with some some lovely breaking news, uh, the Marcus Allen commitment. Uh, we'll get into that. I am your host, Sam Snelling. Uh, over here on this side is, is Matt Harris. So you can see him. Um, Matt, how are you? Uh, I'm well. Uh, always good when there is uh, good news uh, for the program. So today I'm sure everyone's optimistic. Uh, and, you know, we have a good place to start. We do have a good place to start. Uh, this is going to be a pretty recruiting-heavy uh, podcast. So I hope everybody is ready for that much. Uh, and as you can see, our fancy banner down here, it says four star forward, Marcus Allen commits. Um, yeah. So kind of big news for, uh, for Dennis Gates. He's a guy, uh, that, that, you know, CY has been on for, uh, you know, almost the better part of a decade at this point. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Marcus is, uh, eighth grade year, I believe is when, uh, CY first, uh, caught wind when, when CY was still, at Florida State, yeah. uh, he recruited him then. He has continued to recruit him uh, through trips to Arizona Compass uh, Prep School. Now uh, Allen is is back in South Florida, uh, and then tonight on Two Four Seven Sports uh, YouTube channel, he committed uh, to the Missouri Tigers. So uh, a lot of hard work pays off. Um, Matt, your initial impressions of Marcus Allen and and uh, and sort of like what what they're getting uh in this in this top 60 player um had been a priority from the jump one of the first guys they offered when they got hired uh last spring when the staff was assembled i think he was probably among the first five or six guys that picked up an offer uh was one of the first guys they got on campus when they could start hosting guys last fall um i think during you know there was a period probably earlier in the spring where i wondered if he had maybe dropped down the radar or drop down, you know, the board a little bit, you know, just because if you felt like there was a guy that was going to commit early, you know, Marcus Allen felt like, you know, that kind of guy, you know, who might, you know, commit in April, May, or June, just because of the amount of time they put in, uh, took a visit to Stanford, you know, and then nothing, it kind of went quiet there. And, you know, I think, you know, when things go quiet, people assume, you know, that maybe Mizzou had fallen out of the picture a little bit, or maybe they had de-emphasized him, but I don't think that was the case. So just big for them to target a guy early, you know, really, or in this case, you know, eighth or ninth grade, but, you know, maintain that, 
you know, keep the momentum up and then really capitalize on that relationship on the end. So you, it's just really nice, you know, to see that kind of entire, you know, stretch of recruitment play out the way you want it to as a player. Um, I, I think the ranking has to be put in context here. One, I think everyone's absolutely right when they talk about elite top 1% in terms of physical attributes, uh, legitimate six, seven, great build 190 still has room to put on weight, but I don't think you'd want him to. I think you could have him show up today on campus and he could probably just physically hold up in some of their workouts. I mean, just mature physically at this point, I think at the NBA top 100 can't be measured out at a plus five, plus six wingspan. So you're getting a guy who's six, seven with a seven foot wingspan, massive hands, really, really big hands for his position. So when people talk about him athletically, they're they're not being hyperbolic at all. He really, really is outstanding that way. Um, I think if you watch him, you know, people are going to talk about his defensive ability. The thing is, I, I say he's not really clippable defensively. Like, you don't see always a ton of really, really, you know, amazing plays defensively, but he's fantastic as a switch defender. He can guard two through four easily. He can, you know, check what I would say are shiftier ones that are going to play with a little bit more pace. And if he gets switched on a five, he can hold. He can hold that ground to the, to the guy recovers back. Rarely, rarely do you see him botch a rotation. He's great off the ball, knows where he needs to be in gaps. If he gets caught out, it's sometimes if somebody doesn't call a switch for him. And sometimes he can get picked off in some off-screen stuff. But he's fantastic on defense. He's going to fit in right away there. Offensively, I think, you know, people have said he's kind of a work in progress, and I'd agree with that. But you know, he's a guy who I think has found a way to be productive without necessarily having touches designed for him. So, you know, when he gets to campus, you're going to get a guy who I think can plug in play, you know, once he gets used to the scheme pretty effectively. You know, he's found ways to contribute in the box score. He's going to rebound really well at every level he's been at. He's been a really consistent rebounder. So, fantastic physical template, good defender. And if he puts in the work with this staff, you could see him becoming a guy who can become a nice, competent offensive piece for them. So really, really good pickup. And again, nice to see them land a priority and, and get him in the door. Yeah, I think uh, um, Matt Watkins, our our uh, friend on the Slack channel, shared uh, Biancardi, Paul Biancardi's uh, Zeet. What are they called now? Uh, tweet? I, I, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, where Piancardi sort of made, and you know, again, uh, like I, you always have a little bit of a struggle with with making direct player comps, but he did sort of say that he has like a physical profile of that of Kawhi Leonard, um, you know, and Kawhi Leonard is a guy who very sort of notably was uh, was a highly rated recruit, but nobody who was like blowing up five star status. Uh, but he had a very like specific physical build and he was, he was and good size, but really long arms and giant hands. Uh, and basically like the same sort of physical profile that you just described, uh, with Marcus Allen. So you can kind of see where, where you're making that comparison. Kawhi Leonard happened to turn himself into like an all NBA <laughs> scorer. Also, uh, you know, is Marcus Allen going to accomplish that? I mean, only time will tell. Uh, but I think what, what you're what you're getting is you're getting a guy who who can play early uh, and can play a limited role early, and then you hope you kind of develop those other pieces. Um, you know, I I I love like watching guys defensively because I I think 
how you play defensively, how you rotate, you know, how you communicate with your teammates, all of those things speak to a high level uh, basketball IQ. Easy. And uh, and when you have somebody that has a high basketball IQ, uh, a lot of those other things that maybe aren't quite rounded into shape now, they tend to kind of come uh, because guys understand the game. Uh, they they know like he's going to know he's going to need to get in the gym. He's going to get up, you know, thousands of three point shots. He's going to have to make sure that his, uh, you know, where his shot finishes is, is consistent. Um, you know, cause there are, there are some bugs with his game offensively. Uh, you know, if there weren't, then he's probably a top 20. Yeah. Like, like he's a guy who's going to be much higher on the ring. Like the reason he is top 60 instead is because, Hey, well, he's got, he's got some of those bugs in his offensive game. Um, I mean, from what you've seen, I think you've seen more of him than I have, uh, is there anything that you're concerned about, like with him offensively? Uh just shot selection. But I think part of that's contextual, and I think you have to understand that at Compass he was recruited. You know, when I, I remember speaking to Ed Gibson a couple of times last year, they recruited him to come in and be a defender on a roster where they had some more offensive pieces. So you didn't really get to see him in a system with a lot of other equally talented guys as a focal point offensively. Um, really limited in that capacity. And then I think this summer he got back out on the grassroots circuit, but you know, I think I put in our piece that's up on the website right now. He had two top ten guys overlapping with him in his position in Carter Knox and Liam McNeely. And so I think sometimes when he goes long stretches without the ball, he can be a bit thirsty. So you'll see him ISO hunt, you'll see him maybe take some inefficient shots out of those, particularly some tougher pull ups. And the thing is, he's he can be a good pull-up shooter when he's on balance, when he's playing with the right tempo, and he gets into it. It's a beautiful-looking shot. Sometimes, though, when he's in those sort of tougher ISO situations, the release point elevates, things change in the shot to accommodate it, and the ball doesn't come off as cleanly. Um, getting better on three-point shots, particularly out of the corner, but I think you know, no matter what you know, school or program he's been at over the last two years, He's been in around the 20 to 30% three-point shooting range. You know, is that a matter of, you know, mechanics? Is it a matter of reps? We'll have to see when they get him here. But the jumper, you know, he's not a plug-and-play spot-up guy at this point. Um, the handle can tighten up a little bit. You know, I think sometimes, you know, it gets a little loose away from his body, especially when he's, you know, attacking with a little bit of a physical defender on him. But, you know, I think the one thing that is nice about him is, He's absolutely really, really good in transition. He can get out and run the break for you. And if you're in this program, which, you know, I said it wants to play, you know, at a faster clip, that's good for him. Uh, he's good, I think, running to a spot and getting into his jumper out in the break. So I think he can get some good quality threes that way. And he's, you know, adept, I think, at when to cut. He can do some things in the mid post if he catches a good matchup. So I think you can handle him. You can put him in some spots there. And Mizzou has shown it can get guys like him touches in those spots. So, I think the question is going to be, can the jumper come along? Can the shot selection clean up a bit? And maybe does the ball handling tighten up? But, you know, on his commitment, you know, announcement, you know, he talked about, you know, that was one of the allures of coming to Mizzou was to work with CY and to work with Dennis Gates, who had guys like Terrence Mann or Scotty Barnes or other bigger wings that they've had to sort of take a couple of years to round into form. So I think he, Kobe Brown. 
there was there were two staffs that helped Kobe. I think, <laughs> if, uh, yeah, that's true. There were two staffs that helped with Kobe, but I, I think the offensive piece has to develop for him. But I, I, the one thing, again, I take stock is he's always sort of I think fit into the role that he's had to you know you know play. And the one thing that's always been consistent is the defensive effort. He plays really hard on defense, regardless of you know what's unfolding at the offensive end. And to your point, I think that that's really heartening. Is you know, even if he's going long stretches, even if he's not a focal point, he's going to guard. He's going to do what he's got to do at that end of the floor, and he's going to be consistent. And I think that there's something, you know, even with the T.O. Barrett who they landed back in late June, the same thing. I think this staff has done a really good job of identifying guys who buy in to being good defenders, reliable defenders, and can play with a degree of physicality at that end. So that's really, really good. So that's so that's what's going to be really important in the SEC. Yeah, yeah which is a straight-line drive lead. It really, we've talked about it. it's not a high-skill league. It is, you know, it's a straight-line drive at the rim type of league. Having these types of guys that can play and can, you know, really be comfortable in that environment is really, really important. So big pickup for them in that sense. Yeah, and uh, so it's Michael Porter Jr., John T. Porter, um, Tony Mitchell, Lennis Claza. And uh, Monte Gill Caesar as the only players who are ranked higher. Yeah. Did I miss anybody? No, I think you got everybody in there. Yeah. So that's that's the list of players who are higher rated players coming into, uh, you know, coming into Missouri since two four to seven started keeping track. Which uh, yeah, I believe uh, I, they have some things that kind of go back to like the late nineties, but I really think they started kind of yeah. You know, I think they were able to kind of combine some some lists for early 2002 and three and stuff like yeah. that so uh that's going back a ways and so you know like i think one of the things that um is notable about this is you know like we've we've known now for a while like you know cy and dennis uh have been known for their ability to develop relationships and to recruit guys you know identify players early get in there, hammer the relationship hard, and get that kid on campus. Um, the last class that they had um, wasn't, like, didn't have anybody, like, super splashy. At, you know, like, we could, we've talked at, uh, quite a bit about Trent Pierce and, and how much we like Trent. Uh, you know, everybody knows about Jordan Butler's ceiling uh, and Ant Robinson, how, you know, kind of an exciting young player. Um but already you can kind of see the framework for the 2024 class as being one, uh, you know, that, that could be a step up and, and like, we're really kind of seeing, you know, Dennis Gates, not only, you know, elevate the style of play and, and what he's doing there, but, uh, seemingly recruiting, uh, as well as really probably anybody at Mizzou, maybe since, you know, Quinn, I think he definitely had yeah. to give uh, if you, a lot of credit to, to Quinn Snyder. He landed some some good dudes. This will probably, if they if they finish the way that I think people want them to, it'll be their best class, you know, in more than a decade is where they're tracking towards. If you, you know, want to go back and look at the RSCI and try and play off of that, maybe you'd probably have to go back to, you know, Quinn's classes to get there. Um Frank Haith had some good top-end guys, but if you look at the average rating in some of his classes, there were some developmental guys that usually maybe dragged it down. But I think 
right now, if this class finishes the way some people project, Dennis Gates will not have taken a high school player lower than I think 120 in the composite out of six mm-hmm. guys, you know, assuming on how big this class is. And you know, it's like we've said, if if this program doesn't need to land three top, you know, 30 guys every year, it's got to be able to live between probably 60 and 110. And they've done that at times of, you know, can they develop them? So I think they, you know, they've started to at least, I think, solve, you know, one problem that Missouri fans have always sort of perceived to exist, which is can they land, you know, quality talent? The next step of this staff will be can they, you know, keep that talent here? Can they develop it? And can they really coax that potential out of it? But so far they're starting, you know, from a, you know, much more advanced position than a lot of other staffs prior to them have. Uh, so I'm going to just kind of try to pop in a few questions as, okay. as they kind of come in. Cause, uh, we've been asked multiple times, um, Maddie B 30 wants to know if we know when, uh, honor Boateng is scheduled to commit. Uh, he hasn't announced it yet. Yeah. He, there, there's no, there's no timeline for Boateng. I do believe, uh, he's, um, scheduled to be on campus at Mizzou. Is it late August or September? He's been some time about late August as, as a date when he'll be here. He's taken an official visit to Arkansas. That was a couple of weeks ago or 10 days ago. Uh, I'd keep an eye out. Yeah, I'd keep an eye out for Indiana and LSU in that as well. Um, some talk that Indiana, you know, is going to be able to push to get him on campus, and that would be in September. Uh, haven't seen when LSU might get him there, but those are sort of the three or four schools that are in the mix for him at this point. Um, you know, he has said he's wanted to commit before his senior season. Um so that would probably put him on track for a late September or October commitment, but he hasn't put out anything officially at this point. So uh, that I think that kind of leads us into what was going to be our next topic, which is sort of what's next in the class for uh, for Dennis Gates. Um, we don't have to wait long. No, for what's next? No, no. Uh, if if you're if you are on Twitter and uh, or X and uh, and you're following. Uh, Trilly Donovan and Trilly already, you know, has teased out his picks for Dennis Gates this week. Um, we do believe Missouri is in very good shape, as they say, uh, for uh, a guy who is it in the composite or is it the top two four seven that uh, that Peyton Marshall is like right behind uh, Marcus Allen. I'm trying to might remember. Be, might be the composite. I can't. Remember. I think one's like 55. The other's 56. Yeah, I, I, it might it, be that, the composite. Yeah. No, it's uh, it, that. That's two four seven because in the composite, Boa Tank's 52. So it's probably in two four sevens alone. Okay. Um. So, yes. Uh, I'm at Allen 52 in the composite. The four star, um, four star post, uh, from Marietta, Georgia, uh, Peyton Marshall is announcing uh this friday uh i did not know a time i did see that it also going to be on uh 247 sports um and and they're like live stream with youtube uh it looks like it's going to be about 5 p.m on friday uh and peyton marshall is announcing he doesn't have a list of finalists uh per se uh there are a lot of schools of people believed to be involved uh, but it seems to be common knowledge at this point that recruiting intel is pointing uh, all signs are pointing yeah. to Missouri uh, as as kind of being the landing spot. 
Um, you can kind of go through and I think a lot of people thought, so he committed to Auburn, uh, was, I guess, pretty connected with Wes Flanagan, um, who was an assistant on the Auburn staff. Wes Flanagan took a job with Chris Beard when Chris Beard took the Ole Miss job. Uh, that led to Peyton Marshall decommitting uh, from Auburn. And I think a lot at that point, a lot of people assumed that he would just sort of follow Wes Flanagan uh, to Ole Miss. Ole Miss offered uh, Marshall shortly after that. But then, um, you know, Ole Miss has quite an interesting roster at this point. They got a lot, uh, they got a lot of big dudes. Yeah, and um and <laughs> some some elite size and Cisse um uh, is a guy who we're not entirely sure if he's gonna get uh, a waiver to play this year, which could mean that he's gonna expect to play like a lot of minutes next season in Oxford. Yeah. Um Jamarian Sharp is uh there. This should be his last year. Yeah. It should be his last uh, year. And then, uh, but, but yeah, so kind of going in, there's, you know, a chance that, uh, any big man commitment could be playing, uh, behind, uh, an all defensive center like Cisse. Uh, and then they went and, uh, got a commitment from a guy that we've talked plenty about John bowl. Um, and so it just sort of looks at this point, like, uh, Ole Miss is probably out. Yeah. Uh, and it seems like all signs are basically pointing to, uh, Marshall kind of, you know, picking Missouri. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, interesting recruitment to say the least. Um, you know, that relationship with West Flanagan, you know, was durable and it looked like it was going to hold up. And, you know, in late July, there was sort of a U-turn there <laughs> between, it almost seems like they just orchestrated a trade to get bowl in place there. Um, the thing with Marshall, assuming, you know, there's always that 1% chance that it doesn't happen, but if Marshall's in the fold, it'll be interesting to see how they make this work stylistically. Um, I think, say whatever you want to say about just the physical proportions. Different type of big than they've targeted. Um, you know, people have lamented the death of, you know, throwing it into the block and letting big guys eat. That's how Peyton Marshall plays. Um, yeah. You know, he is a big body. He is seven foot, 300 pounds. Uh, better feet than you think, you know. Very, you know, he's got good feet, good hands. But, you know, I think the thing that you're going to have to realize is I've watched him with Kel, his high school. I've watched him with. Game Elite, his AAU program. I think I have two more games I have to get to this week from the Adidas All-American Camp, which was last week. But I've watched him in the Euro Camp and now the Adidas All-American Camp. And without fail, the go-to move, post up on the right block, throw to the hand, rhythm clear, rhythm dribble, drop step baseline. That's the play. Yeah. And coaching staffs figure out very quickly, just send doubles from the baseline side and hard double him. Yeah. He, now, he is a good passer. If he, I think what teams figure out is you wait for that rhythm dribble and then you send the double. Because he will catch and hold and wait for that guy to clear and then he can, and he can make good decisions passing off the post. But once he commits... 
hard doubles are coming at him. And counters, he's going to need some counters. But that doesn't matter when the guys guarding you typically are like 6'6". Six, six. Yeah. 180 a buck wet, you know, you know, when they're, you know, soaking wet. But when he's had to face some elite guys, you know, and, you know, either on the Adidas circuit or in these camps, guys who are a little bit longer can hold their ground, can give him some problems. But he's got good hands, he's got good feet, can make good reads, you know, as a passer. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with a guy like him on the roster. I, I do think there's merit in having a complimentary sort of big to someone like Jordan Butler. You know, this is still a league, you know, where teams will carry traditional posts and you want to have a guy who can, you know, defend that position pretty well. You can't move Peyton easily. It's hard to get deep position against him, but it's going to be interesting, you know, what happens, you know, when they get him here and sort of how he fits stylistically into what they want to do. I have a quick question on Marshall's size. If uh, Kofi Coburn um, is a is a decent cop, but I like Coburn was like chiseled like a mountain. Um, that dude was chiseled. Um, Marshall's got a little more work, uh, but he's I mean he's strong and he's wide. Um, but he, yeah, he's he's not quite as uh, built Still from did. granite. <laughs> yeah. Is that, is that fair? Uh, well, yeah, Co- yeah, Kofi was was a solid dude, and not you know again not taking any away uh, from, from Marshall. Marshall is uh is 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 big and strong, and there's a reason why he's effective, uh, and will probably be a very good college player. Um, but I think there's going to be some work that uh, that the strength conditioning um, you know coaches have with him to try to try to develop his body a little bit more. Yeah, um, you know, and and make sure that. Uh, you know, conditioning wise, he's up and and all that kind of stuff. But he's he is certainly a, a guy that, um, you know, again, it is a little bit against type, um, you know. But at, at least as far as what we were kind of expecting, uh, I think you and I both sort of thought that uh, that bull uh, made a lot more sense because of his mobility, his ability yeah. uh, to to kind of get out and defend away from the basket uh, and also protect the rim. Um, you know, but as it turns out, you know, Dennis loves skill and, and, uh, and I, you know, I think that ball is, is a ways off uh, skill wise. And I don't think that, uh, Marshall is all, all that, all that far away. I think he's a guy you could really develop and, and could, uh, uh, you know, could, could become, um, you know, a, a as good of an outside shooter as, as really anybody in the class. Um, so uh, kind of moving past Peyton, since I think we're going to have uh, more opportunities to go deeper into his game, uh, but we did get sort of a question here from uh, Bradley. I always like the fact that as soon as I put up the, the, the broadcast on YouTube, like Bradley logs in and asks a question. Like, I, I respect that. <laughs> I, think that I think this question's been uh, been in the hopper uh, since a little after six. Um so uh, the question, obviously, uh, if uh, Honor Batang and Peyton Marshall commit to Missouri, who would we like the fifth commitment to be? Uh, and I, you know, I definitely think that if you're ranking priorities for the staff, I think you, know, I think Batang is probably yeah. number one. 
you know, even, even of the guys that are already committed, like I, I think they're, they're deep in there and, and they're, they're going to work, to pull it off. Yeah. Um, and, uh, with Marshall, um, uh, oh, and Mizzou fans, uh, just, just so we are aware it is a P E Y, uh, T O N just so, yeah. you know, we don't, uh, we don't till man, uh, spell the, the way that that man's future. Um, but, uh, yeah, so so Marshall Batang, if that's like you're sitting on a four man class and you're looking at five, uh, you know another commenter mentioned you know Bishop Boswell. I know you love Bishop Boswell. I love Bishop Boswell. I would be very happy if you have a five man class and it includes Batang and Bishop Boswell. I think like I love that that guy. Yeah, that's uh, I think that would that would sort of round it out for me. Would be Boswell. that would be a tough defensive uh, five some too. That's. We talked a lot about the defense last year. You're rectifying that with this class. Uh, before we like mention names, you talked about kind of how this class juxtaposes with you know 23. You know, I think last year was sort of a, a bit more on skill, and we knew coming in guys were going to have to develop physically. We sort of have the inverse this year, where I think we're going to you know at least, you know, with you know Tio Barrett, with. Uh, Mark Allen and with Peyton Marshall, there's going to be some physically all these guys for the most part are going to be ready to go and they're going to be able to play as freshmen. You know, defensively, all of them can hold and guard their spots. Um, they're all, you know, fan, you know, especially, you know, I, I think it, I enjoy watching T.O. And, and Marcus play defense. It, it really is. You know, fun to watch them guard and fun to watch them play at that end. You know, I think Peyton, you know, if the body rounds out, can be a really, really good defender. So I think what they've done is they've sort of flipped it that way, where I think they, they've really bet on a physical archetype in this class. And, you know, to me, Bishop Boswell will be, a you know, a perfect sort of way to cap it. Um, he and T.O. on the ball, if you have those two as your point guard and your combo, they're just going to give people nightmares. They are... They are two of the most assertive on-ball defenders I've watched in the last couple of years. They are not going to give an inch. They know how to go up to that line, you know, of you know being physical, you know, without you know getting out of position and without fouling. Um, they both play with an absolute edge on that end of the floor. They want to get in guys' face. I think that if you you know thought about last year's team, I don't know if there were guys who really had that. You know, these guys have that edge to them. Um, Bishop Boswell's fantastic in transition. He's an absolute nightmare in grab-and-goes. He's going to apply pressure on the middle gap. It's going to drive teams insane. Uh, but he's comfortable moving off the ball, and he can shoot about, I think, around 37%, you know, from three-point range from the NBA line on decent volume. That that Those are real shooting numbers at that point, you know. You know, in the EYBL, you know, if you were shooting, if you were at five attempts per game, we'd be talking about him as one of the best shooters in the class. He's probably around three. But shot 40% at high school on decent volume, 37% from the NBA line this summer. So if you're getting a guy who can be an aggressive on-ball defender, a nightmare, you know, to push the ball in transition and can move off the ball and shoot it, you know, at a decent clip, that's a fantastic pickup if you can get that guy. Um, And to have your backcourt be... Andy Robinson, who's fantastic at turning guys over. Tio Baird, who can play all three guard spots defensively. 
and a guy like Bishop Boswell, you have a really, really, really strong contingent of ball handlers who can then flip it at the defensive end and match up. So I think that, to me, would be the best way to cap the class. Would probably be with a Bishop Boswell, if, if you could get him in the fold. Do you have any uh, opinions on if they went a different direction and, and maybe went with somebody with more size? I know uh, there's been discussions of uh, you know, Jaden Acquaintance, uh, um, who uh, is a 2025 20, kid who reclassed 24 and is sort of like a five-star. Yeah. Seems, seems a little bit like a long shot, but, um, I mean, if you get a guy on campus, you never know. Yeah. Uh, uh, and and then Trent Burns, who actually has uh, scheduled a visit, and Dennis Gates uh, has been, you know, right there recruiting him. Um like himself, when when a head coach takes a personal interest in a player, uh, that that tends to be a sign of of uh, of him being uh, a guy that they want. Yeah, I I, I think with Quaintance, I'm of the mind that I'll wait until I see visit dates to really get too involved there. Um, but he said he is going to try and line up a date. To me, it's always before I'd really dive into the tape and dive into sort of backgrounding it. You know, I want to see a date on the calendar, so. If that happens, you know, then I'll move forward. Um, Trent is a guy that I think, you know, he's long. You know, I think he's a little bit, he's more mobile, you know, I think than Peyton is. But I have questions about, you know, is he going to be physically ready as a freshman? You know, he's, you know, I think probably around where Jordan Butler was in the composite. But, you know, from having watched Trenton from having watched Jordan, I would say that Jordan was ahead of him in terms of skill set. Um, he really is a stretch five big, but he struggled to shoot the ball consistently. Um, not as consistent as Jordan Butler. Um, you know, to me, the question that, you know, is worth, you know, keeping an eye on is they have Ryan Jones, another guy that was an early offer for them, sort of disappeared from that recruitment, and now he's going to, you know, set to visit. You know, I think if you were to parse it this way, Honor Botang is more of a two and three. He can play combo and wing. Marcus Allen is a three and four. He can play the wing in the four spot. And I consider, you know, Jones to be more of a straight four. Do you take, you know, more of a straight combo forward at that position and try and round it out there? Or do you feel like if you've got Aiden Shaw, Trent Burns, I mean, Trent Pierce and Marcus Allen that you're kind of set there? Same thing at the, you know, with the, at the big spot, you know, if Jordan Butler, you know, makes steady progress this year and you bring in Peyton Marshall, you know, you're still going to have two bigs that are going to want to play. You know, if you take Jane Quaintance, you know, he's not coming to be the number three big. He's coming to start his NBA clock. Yeah. And Quaintance is really young. I mean, he's young even for the 25 class. There's some talk that if he got on campus, he'd be barely 17. So he's very young, you know, he's not, and he's not looking to stick around very long. Uh, Trent Burns is a guy who I think is, you know, a guy you're going to take on in a developmental spot. Honestly, I think if I, if this is just me speaking, not speaking for the staff, I would want to go get an experienced big out of the portal in the spring to round out my depth. So for me, you know, I would turn everything I have to Bishop Boswell and try and get, you know, it's still a guard-driven game at this level. You can never have too many guards who can ball hand, who can, you know, initiate offense, especially in this system. It kind of toggles back and forth. 
and you know just what he can do defensively I think is is really really good so he would be even if you looked at the entire spectrum of guys that are out there I would still say that Boswell would be my top pick uh, at this point yeah I think uh you and I are in agreement there not to be uh unexciting I am intrigued by uh by Trent Burns I mean he's seven foot two is that's pretty good size he doesn't move all that well but you know uh, guys that young at that size you know maybe that's something that you could develop uh, you know particularly with a good strength conditioning program um you know and one of the things that uh that i did really like about you know when mark Zalm was making his commitment is he did sort of talk about you know making a lot of references to the blueprint and this is something that uh, you know, that Tamar Bates has, has mentioned, we've seen, uh, we've seen other recruits sort of talk about, you know, how like they, they have a method that they basically put in front of these guys to say, this is how we're going to turn you into, uh, you know, this type of player and get you to where you want to be. Um, and I, I also like think when you, uh, when you consider, um, you know, some of the videos they've been putting out of uh, some of the newcomers. I remember Caleb Grill kind of mentioned, uh, you know, it being really kind of like a player driven program. Uh, so allowing guys sort of, you know, be there for themselves and let them, you know, determine their own fate, I think is, is giving them the strength as long as you're providing the plan. It sounds like that yeah. message is, is resonating. It resonated with Mark Zallen, um, seemed to with, with Tio Barrett. Uh, must have with Peyton Marshall. <laughs> yeah, it. This is the thing. I mean, we have to. I think obviously it's good that they're landing talent, you know, of this caliber. You know, if they land Honor Botang, that four man class is probably going to finish seventh or eighth in in the two four seven composite. It's a legitimate top ten class. The only thing keeping it from being top five is they won't have an elite elite one and done five star guy but as yeah you know when you look at how you build top 10 classes without you know those type of top 15 prospects they will have built as good a class as you can you know without landing one of those guys um those guys all the guys they've landed have made the right noises about you know, buying into the long-term process that they've liked that Dennis Gates not sat there and, you know, told them everything they do well. Every time I've talked to a player for a scouting profile, they've said, Coach Gates doesn't, you know, just tell me everything good. He's really blunt about what I need to do, where I'm, where I'm, you know, struggling, where I need to improve. If those guys are bought into the long-term vision and this staff develops them, that, that to me is the, the linchpin here. You know, Missouri has landed, I think when I checked, they've landed about 15 to 18 guys who would be top 100 level recruits in the last decade. They have landed enough guys to, you know, you know, has it been to this depth? No, but they've landed enough guys at times to have a respectable program. A lot of times those guys aren't here more than a year or a year and a half. Can they get these guys in and can they get them bought in to sustain, particularly now, you know, with the portal and the way it is, we'll see what they can do. And that's not me trying to say that this, you know, staff can't do it. It's just, 
they're getting the guys in the door. Now we have to see what that development looks like and, and how that plays out, which we haven't yeah. seen yet. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things to, you know, like why you're committing. Yeah, this is why you're committing. It's another thing a year uh, later when, you know, you've got different people in your ear telling you that you should be playing more, you should be getting this number of shots. It's a, it's basically becomes, uh, you know, whether the, the player who initially buys in stays bought in, um, you know, and it, it does seem, you know, like they they do a good job of building up the culture, um, you know, from season to season, at least in the, in the first two seasons, you know, but it, it is, it is something where you're going to have to overcome obstacles if you're wanting to kind of keep those guys on campus. Um, I mean, yeah, I like, I don't think it's, it's uh, talking negatively about anything when you have to bring up, you know, the possibility of guys, you know, not being very happy and entering the transfer portal. Like, you know, like that's just a reality of the game. You know, the benefit of the transfer portal is if somebody leaves, you can usually, uh, turn around and find somebody, uh, you know, out of the portal. But I do think there will be at least some kind of shift here. Yeah. Uh, hopefully where, you know, the, the portal settles down a little bit. Um, you know, now that we're actually kind of getting to the point where, uh, you know, the, the, the post COVID development is, is kind of catching up and coaches are, um, uh, you know, coaches are able to watch guys go from like point A to point B to point C and, and have a better idea for how to project them, which I, I think is one of the reasons why we've, uh, we've at least seen so much, uh, turnover in, in these last few years. And it'll be different too, cause they're at the NCAA does legitimately enforces no granting of second waivers for transfers. I think that's going to tamp it down too. I think you're going to see guys who, you know, like Musa Cisse or Brandon Murray, like Jalen Cook, I don't think played on LSU's foreign tour. I don't know if he's gotten a waiver yet. And that's a big deal if LSU doesn't have arguably the best pure wing scorer because the NCAA won't grant a waiver. So yeah. I think if, if, and I think what will also help is if we get, you know, the, I do agree that the transfer portal window probably only needs to be a month, you know. You get April to, you know, build through the portal to get out and go do what you need to do. No second waivers. I think it will really tamp that down. It'll allow guys and staffs to, you know, do what they need to do quickly and then turn their attention back to the guys on the roster. That, that's that been one thing I've read consistently, and I, and I can see their point is if we're having to do portal stuff into May and into the start of, like, player development period, why do some guys want to stick around? if it feels like we're not there to develop them and put in that time, you know, with our team. So I think it'll shift. You know, I thought this might be a year where they would still only go two to three spots and look heavier at the portal. If they're looking at four to five spots in this class, you know, to shift the model a little bit, I don't think that's bad. We'll see what that does, you know, for year three. But, you know, as of right now, if, you know, at the end of this week, they'll have, you know, if Peyton does what he's supposed to do and what he's forecasted to do, they'll have a guaranteed top 20 class. They will have done, in August, they will have three commitments locked up before September, and they'll, you know, if we use history as a guide and kind of what the composite has shown us, they'll have a top 20 class before the end of April. 
before the end of August. That's that's pretty good early work uh, to put yourself in that position with Botang still out there, push you maybe into the top 10. Uh, so I, I do want to kind of wrap this up uh, pretty soon here, but we have one last uh, question I put up from, from Kyle. Uh, wants to know if, uh, and I'll let you answer this because if you feel it's Mizzou and Arkansas for Boateng, um, I think if you talk to Arkansas uh, fans, they certainly think it's all about Arkansas. Um, and I think it's to be determined, but I'll, I'll let you. Uh, I, I think, you know, there's there's reason to think you know, I think there are three that I'm keeping an eye on. Indiana's moved in pretty quickly and made up a lot of ground. Um, you know, I think that they're one to watch. LSU has always sort of been mentioned and lurking. I know that um, Honor has a really, really good relationship with one of the assistants down there. Uh, Cody Topper, who has, you know, had G League and NBA experience developing wings. That's kind of his niche is developing, you know, slashers. So I think that there's a relationship there. Um the you know reporting I saw out of the trip to Arkansas was it was productive, but you know it doesn't feel like Arkansas's you know exerted that sort of normal pull that you see at this point. Um, you know everything I've heard, you know, has been that Mizzou feels confident about where it is and where it's positioned. You know, anything I've heard from sort of national folks has been that Missouri's deep in the cut, but. It's sort of those four, and I think it's really going to come down to, you know, where the visits are, you know, what sort of, you know, holistic picture that can be presented to them. But I think Missouri's, you know, I'd say for me it would probably be, depending on the day, Indiana, Arkansas, Missouri, for where it sort of shifts. But we'll see. Um, I think it's, you know, pretty good, you know, that he's already used the official visit to Arkansas, and it's going to be, you know, these other three schools coming down the stretch. We'll see, you know, if Missouri goes next and then Indiana, does he decide to shut it down, you know, and going to his high school season or does LSU get a visit out of it? We'll see. But I think Missouri's, you know, I, I don't want to declare Missouri the winner, but I think it's, you know, the leader, but I think it's impressive that they've been able to stay in this, you know, when you consider just the sort of environment that Arkansas is as a home state recruiting ground. It's it's notable that they're deep in the mix at this point. Uh, yeah. Anything else you wanted to hit on before we got here? No, I, I top fifty kid. So we've talked about it a bunch, and there's no, oh, there's, there's, there's you know, don't forget, there's another one come. There's a top seventy-five commit coming on Friday. I I will be that bold to say. It. It's coming on Friday, so yeah, makes it easy for me to not to track this stuff, but it means well, yeah. Uh, as far as like who to watch and what to spend your time on, it um, just means the scouting profiles are going to overlap a little bit. Which wish there was a little bit more space those, but that's yeah. I mean, yeah, that's it's it's also like it's yeah, like I, we also had a. a a comment that was basically, you know, saying it's a good time to be a, a not only a Mizzou basketball fan but a Mizzou football fan because, uh, you know, their uh, football seems to have come through with some some good NIL packages for uh, for some local and state recruits. That uh, that bill that was passed um, what was that last year or was that in the spring? It was the spring. Um, 
which allows like guys who are in state bill, you know, collect that NIL money a little early, uh, probably helps a little bit there. Um, but yeah, like if, if Drinkwitz pulls off, you know, two five-star, you know, commitments, um, what I think, uh, Winery is, uh, Williams Winery, I think I'm saying that right, um, is committing like next week. And, uh, Wingo originally had, uh, a commitment date of like December. Um, but I think that's possible it might get moved up. Um, but yeah, like if Drinkwitz keeps doing that, he still needs to win some games. But, uh, uh, <laughs> but you know, with Dennis Gates, uh, you know, and this is a basketball podcast. We are strongly focused on basketball. Um, I like what Dennis Gates and, and CY are, are doing as far as putting together the, the kinds of classes that, uh, I think they want and the kinds of players they want to develop. Uh, it's, it's going to get interesting, going to be fun. And, and, uh, the realignment stuff is going to make these leagues all kinds of crazy, but it, it's. I'm just amazed. You know what happens when you pay for a proven associate head coach? It's amazing what happens. Yeah, like you, you had you had made that kind of the point is just like you know previous uh, previous head coaches didn't really have anybody like Cy setting them up, and and there's a lot to be said for that. Like you know we've we've talked uh, for years about Missouri's investment into the basketball program. Uh, the investment pays off. Like yeah, weird how it's that simple. <laughs> Doubling your lead assistant coach's salary. Wow. Hey. Hey. It's crazy. What now you get you get Jordan Butler, uh, and uh Ant Robinson and uh Peyton Marshall. Allen. Yeah. Peyton Marshall. Was CY is CY the the Yeah, CY's lead on Mark. I'm Peyton. Yeah. That's because uh he, he's a uh, there's the Atlantic connection there because he had uh, CY was, he's a Georgia Southern alum coach, was the head coach there, but was also on Paul Hewitt's staff at Georgia. Yeah. And was on Cliff Ellis' staff at all. Smith Peters' lead on Botang. Uh, right? Lead on Botang and lead on Barrett. So, yeah. Big, big game. Uh, meanwhile, Coach Nut just sitting back, just like, go guys. Uh, I think I, I don't want to. I don't want to dismiss Dicky on Botank because the Arkansas Hawk connection can't be. Oh, yeah, Slun is with the Arkansas. <laughs> he he does he does know Arkansas. He does he does. Uh, um, and he's putting in some work. I think on some twenty five and twenty six kids down there. So, not I'm not going to dismiss Williams is next Monday. So for anybody, uh, yeah, uh, and yeah. So uh, this is um. Uh, Kid Amnesia is uh, my album uh, on the wall back there. Uh, I am a big Radiohead fan. Um, so I also have uh, LCD Sound System down here, which is the Electric Lady Sessions. Uh, I don't have a ton of like vinyl, but you know, I I like to decorate with, with things that I, I'm passionate about. Well, you about. decorate with it. You don't. I, hey, I'm, I'm all about, and you know, Matt's favorite right here is the E.H. Uh, e. Taylor lineup. Um, I know I'm, <laughs> I know, uh, yeah, it, I just want to get that in there. We can't, I saw, I look, I know I'm going to catch flack for saying this people dragging Zoe for not recruiting like this. They didn't pay 
Zoe didn't have a $600,000 lead assistant and didn't have a 1.1 million staff budget. They gave uh, they gave Michael Porter Sr. $325,000 a year. Just saying when you add a so, 10% to the staff budget and you pay the lead and you give a coach 600k to hire arguably the best recruiter, results improve. <laughs> like that's not meant to dismiss everything that happened under Zoe or all like the la- or the well, last couple of years of Zoe, but I think it it it, it, it doesn't uh it, it doesn't quite make up for him, you know, believing that a a, a team with lead guards of uh, you know, Don't you show him Boogie Boogie in Nebraska now. Boogie Coleman and, and uh, Dewan Gordon. He's brought him in to be a point guard. And, oh man, good, good, good luck, Fred. I like when uh, Fred be like, Fred, I have video for you. I will, hey, I will go back on record and, and fully admit that in the right role, I think Boogie can succeed at this level. But as your like primary lead guard, no, like if he's a if he's a floor spacer, if he's like your, you should honestly like if he's three, if he's if he's like sixth, uh, sixth seventh guy, like coming off the bench, spacing the floor. Can't really trust him to guard anybody, but I mean he can he can hit some threes. Yeah, if that's the rule. But anyway, we have a uh, we have digressed. <laughs> we digressed. Um, if, are there any other questions we should get to before we get on? Uh, no, no, no. There. Uh, we're, at this point, we've just got people talking about Radiohead, so I think we're 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 good. Um, so yeah, so uh, everybody, make sure that you are subscribed to this channel. We appreciate those subscriptions. It's really going to uh, to help us grow this channel. We're trying to do more of these uh, these live podcasts. Expect uh, Nate and BK to be live here soon. I don't know if they're going to do it this week, but they will be doing it soon. Uh, and we will have, uh, Quentin, uh, is coming up with some, uh, some stuff for the pod. Uh, so all kinds of things are coming to the YouTube channel. Make sure you're subscribed and you get it. Uh, if you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, you can still get all of the podcasts through the regular podcasts. However you listen to your podcast, whether it's Apple, uh, podcasts, uh, Google play store, Spotify, all of those things. We are, uh, we are still, and you can still listen through the browser. Um, so we will always have these put up uh, in the web browser uh, on the, on the website. You can listen there. Um, thanks for tuning in, everybody. This is exciting. Uh, sixth best recruit since two four seven started keeping track. Thank Dennis Gates. It's exciting. It's, it's fun to talk about. Uh, and we'll be back uh, to talk more Mizzou basketball. Probably what um, after sometime after this Friday event. Yeah. <laughs> and I got to the next set commits. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. See you later. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Rock M Radio, a proud partner of Fans First Sports Network. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to see more, just like it being directly into your personal device, just click the subscribe button below. Uh, and you can find this podcast through the Apple Podcast app or for iPhone or the Google Podcast app for Android or whatever app you use to listen to your podcast. Uh, we are also available on Spotify. Just search for Rock M Radio. Uh, and if you like other sports, Fans First Sports Network uh, is a podcast network that has uh, coverage of all other teams, Major League Baseball, uh, MLS, uh, NFL, whatever you want uh, to 
listen and, and read about. It is a great, great network full of really fantastic podcasts. So look them up and subscribe uh, to any and all of those podcasts. Uh, Rock M Radio will be back with more episodes coming soon. Thanks. Thank you.